Relationships shouldn't be transactional. This is the beauty of founders that A, it's a pure community just for community's sake. It's not a business who's running a community such that they can then get clients and sell products or services. Then also it's all just about giving and supporting one another as opposed to trying to take. And the paradox is the more you give, the more you then receive back as well. However, the intention going into it, I found should never be, I'm trying to get something out of this. Instead, it's how can I help other people? How can I share my experiences? How can I connect other people and just contribute to the overall community experience? That's when people get the most out of it. Luckily within Founders, you have a really strongly held culture and like no sales, no egos is a, is a big problem. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. The ambition of the podcast is to show relatable stories from young entrepreneurs doing some incredible things to inspire the next generation, including you listening wherever you are. We've been doing this podcast for over three years and the ambition has not changed. The only thing that has changed is the scale of where we want to go. We want to bring on bigger guests for you guys to show more and more relatable and inspiring stories from young entrepreneurs across the world. The majority of you guys listening haven't subscribed to the podcast yet. All you have to do is click that subscribe button wherever you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now allow us to bring on big guests and ask the questions to them that you really want to hear. And it really is that simple. So thank you again for clicking on the podcast and enjoy the episode. AJ, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Doing very well. I'm still understanding how to do podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) The last time you were on, we didn't talk about community. We didn't talk about what you're doing right now. Because you were on episode, I think, three or four, which is insane. So this is episode, I don't want to get it wrong, but like around sort of 120. Um, yeah, like a lot's happened last two years, three years. A lot has happened. Yeah, it's been, uh, I remember the last time we spoke, it was, uh, I was on the phone and I was pacing around my mum's dining room table and I was just like walking around it again and again. And uh, yeah, since then, I've started um started more companies and now uh but then the best part has been joining founders Mm. and uh being made ceo of that so that's been the wild journey and like i guess before we jump into that what is what is founders and then we can come we can talk about community how you got the role and stuff like that yeah so founders is a non-profit community of entrepreneurs and we focus on compassionate connections. So we believe that, um, or at least my personal belief is that um, the best relationships, the most help and support you get throughout an entrepreneurial career comes from the people that you connect on a really deep level with. Mm -hmm. So if you have a best mate who also runs startups, then you're more likely to chat to them on a weekly or monthly basis and provide support for each other. Um, and so founders is all about how do we create those really deep bonds, um, such that people then support each other throughout the journey. Um, we've got 350 members. The community has been going for eight years or so now, um, started by two incredible entrepreneurs called Dan Murray Serta and Rob O'Donovan. And, um, I was hired as CEO two years ago. Um, and aside from that, we focus primarily on in-person events. So mm-hmm. we run retreats, day events, dinners, walks and talks, 
And we also have an online platform and virtual events. Mm. So I guess like before we talk about value of community and I guess the, did you say compassionate connections, which is I've never heard of before. Yeah. So before we talk about that, like I guess how did you get the role within within Founders? Because you had a, a networking group before that I was a part of that was really cool. So I guess like how did the whole process happen? We've got to zoom back to COVID and that was when Click started, which mm-hmm. is what you were a part of. Yeah. So I was, um, I'd started a couple of companies before then, like um, like the events company we spoke about on the last podcast. And uh, I was building a growth marketing agency with a co-founder and I was living in the south of Spain in this house by myself. And I was super lonely and just needed that buzz from other entrepreneurial people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also going through a program called NEF at the time, it's the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. Any young entrepreneurs out there, I would highly recommend applying to NEF, it's great. Um, uh, however, they, they didn't have the best community experience within mm-hmm. their program. And yeah. so I thought, okay, I, I can do this. And so then started running Zoom workshops for early stage entrepreneurs all around connecting with yourself and others. Um, and that was great. And uh, we had about 90 people um, in a couple of months uh, and then we we're doing weekly workshops over Zoom. Um, one of those people, actually before that, I posted a thing on LinkedIn, which sort of described the community. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people applied. One of the people applied um, is called Peter Nixie. And Peter is an incredible entrepreneur who I knew through LinkedIn. I'd seen him and I was mm-hmm. like, wow, he's, he's been in YC. He's started all these companies. He's like super accomplished. Um, and so Peter joined and I was shocked. I saw it come through on the Typeform and I was like, what, why is yeah. he, why is he doing this? Um, but I wasn't going to ask too many questions. I was yeah. like, amazing. He's, he's joining as well. Um, the pressure was on. Anyway, uh, around the same time, in Neff, I was talking to a guy called Nick Yields, who's also an amazing entrepreneur. Um, and he was a part of Founders. And I was talking to him about challenges I have within the community. He then said, oh, I'm a part of this amazing community called Founders. And they are currently looking for a managing director. And I thought, okay, haven't heard of this community. This sounds great. Mm. Looked to Mark. I was like, wow, this is exactly the type of community I'm trying to build. They were just five, six years yeah, ahead yeah, of me. Yeah. Um, and so then I went really deep on my application. I wanted to be this MD of founders and I built a notion page. I recorded a YouTube video saying why you should hire me. I interviewed five members of the community to ask them what the best parts were and what the areas were that they could, it could improve. Um, you went super, super deep. I went super deep. I've never heard that level of commitment for any role. Yeah, it was, um, and actually this is when people come and talk to me about career and next steps and, and, and how to approach um, applying for roles. This is what I generally tell them is like, instead of the spray and pray approach of firing off your CV to 50 different places, mm-hmm. look for one or two places and go really deep on it. Make it so they can't not hire you. Yeah. Um, because for founders, I was way too, I was super early stage. I was super inexperienced. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have to make up for it. 
Um, had a bunch of interviews, uh, which, were, which were really good. And, um, but then also heard of other entrepreneurs from within the community who were also applying for this role. And th there was one guy called um, Yevgeny Shadnev. Um, I've pronounced his second name definitely wrong there. He, I hope he doesn't uh, <laughs> hate me for it. And he is like built a company called Makers and he's like done it for 10 years. And I was like, how on earth am I going to get this? Because this guy yeah, is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I went for it. They then rejected me. Oh, and I damn. was gutted. So gutted. And um, I then, uh, at the same time, while building Click, applying for founders, I was working at L'Oreal. And I was doing Click early mornings and late evenings in L'Oreal 9 to 5. I hated L'Oreal, loved Click. After five months, got sick of L'Oreal. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Try and monetize Click. Um, so I quit. And then Rob O'Donovan, the founder of Founders, um, saw that I'd left L'Oreal and said, oh, you left L'Oreal, what are you doing? And I said, I'm building community, mate. What do you think I'm doing? And yeah. then he said, oh, okay, maybe we should have another chat. And then um, that happened and then they hired me um, wow. and I was over the moon. That's yeah. a crazy story. Why did they reject you then the first time? I was inexperienced. I was like early stage. Um, and realistically, I think they ideally wanted um, somebody from uh, a, an underrepresented background. This is not what they said to me. It's never been like um, mm. verbalized publicly, but this is what I assume um, because... I'm a white bloke who's had a public school upbringing, like super privileged. And that's often not representative of the community. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I, th I think the intention was to try and find someone who is potentially more representative of the community. Um, however, then Peter Nixie, who was in my, was in Click, mm -hmm. um, he was very deep in founders as well. And he'd been there from the early days. And he spoke to Rob and Dan and, sung my praises, which I'm eternally grateful for, and um, and I think changed their mind. And mm. generally then uh, Rob told me that um, they hired for attitude, not competency, because competency can be built, whereas the attitude is either there or it's not. Yeah, I always think that as well. I, I, I always think that because yes, you have to look for experience, but you have to grow into the role, right? 100%. And you have to like learn while doing and while, if you've got the attitude, then you will do that. But I think that's maybe a discussion for another time. For So you got the role within Founders. And I think what I really want to talk about now is why did you double down on community? Like, why was that such an important thing for you? I have reflected on this over the past couple of years. And a big part of it is based in like my early childhood. So um, I had uh, a big tragedy when I was younger, where um, when I was, well, first of all, I went to boarding school from the age of eight. And I, for anyone who hasn't been to boarding school, it's a pretty cutthroat environment. Uh, it's like super privileged and like I recognize that and I'm super grateful for it. But at the same time, from, from a very young age, you're a number in a sea of people and you're competing to be recognized. Um, and then also the crucial part of that is you don't have those sort of really strong connections to parental figures because you're at school and mm -hmm. you're at school for two thirds of the year. Um, so anytime you have a problem, it's like, cool, almost internalize it and just deal with it yourself. 
Then the first year into school, um, my dad very sadly passed away in a freak accident where he was at dinner and fell off a balcony. Um, and that was obviously super pivotal. And then there was like a really clear lack of connection there. Um, and so then I sort of went through teenage years, felt relatively like lonely, didn't really understand myself, didn't really find my people. Um, I've kept one friend from, like one really good friend from my entire schooling years. Wow. So then really like came into myself, found myself um, <laughs> after school. And so then that was like the foundation. So like really wanting connection and like feeling like I missed it. And then when I uh, started Click and there was like that first group of people and that like Zoom call where I brought together lots of like my closest friends all within the startup world. And there was just this electricity. Mm. There was this magic, which was like, whoa, there's something really magical here. Mm -hmm. um, and exactly the same happened when I turned up to my first ever founders retreat. And that was just like oh, sparks flying. It was just this aha moment where the yeah. light bulb comes on you're like wow this is like this is pure magic yeah. um and then i was just like hooked i was so hooked so yeah it's it's a thing that's like i think more it's like larger in the us i would say like the the, the like different communities in the uk it's not as prevalent i would say but they are definitely growing and i completely agree with you i was in those sessions and when you're around people that are trying to solve problems and so like all sort of like thinking in the same sort of way as you do and like challenging you as well and like but it's, it's a safe space where you can challenge with no sort of emotion there it's a it's a very welcoming space and you feel like you are with with like people that understand you and as a as an entrepreneur you're always it is a fairly lonely journey it's not people don't really talk about that. I've, I've talked about it a few times because when when you're trying to run a business your team always looks to you for for direction but who do you look for for direction exactly and you can't you can't really go to your team because well they're looking for they're looking to you so it's like okay who do you look for and it's it's most of the time you look to yourself of like where do i go so that's why it can be a very lonely journey so being around these sort of people it's, it's more of a therapy more than anything a hundred percent and actually to build on that it's not just you can't go to your team you also can't go to your investors because yeah. you have to put on a mask for them if you have them. And then also friends and family who aren't in the startup space just don't get it. Like, they're like, why? They can you... be really supportive, of course, of but course. They, won't, they won't understand. They won't ever understand. Yeah. Like, why do you put yourself through so much pain, so much pressure? Like, I why ask, not? I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's just facts. Like, why am I doing this? Like, 100%. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's a super lonely journey. And um, that is also like part of the magic of founders and yeah. part of the magic of what Click was um, is that when people turn up and they haven't had that support group and then suddenly they're like, wow, everyone mm -hmm. here, A, thinks similarly to me or has like aligned values. B, is going through the same sort of stress and pressures and struggles that I am. Um, and see, it's very non-judgmental, low ego, mm -hmm. lovely, lovely people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is just a beautiful combination. So for, for people listening, I guess like what, so you talk about kind of the value of community, but I guess like, how do you find that, that community essentially? Because like, there's obviously entrepreneurs that are listening to this, different stages. It, it can be an intimidating thing to try to find different groups of people. And then you feel like, yeah, they might, 
not accept me or whatever. So I guess like for people listening, how do they find that group? That is a great question and I don't have a good answer for it. Uh, my solution was to build it myself. Mm. Uh, so, And it just happened through serendipity that yeah. I met Nick and I met Peter and they introduced me to founders. Um, and founders currently works where it's invite only because the whole focus is around a really strong, trusting community of people. Mm -hmm. And part of that is value alignment. That's the most important thing. And so yeah. therefore you have to be referred by an existing member to join. Um, and so I'd say the easiest way is to ask people that you already know, value highly, um, and probably have a network within the space themselves. Um, mm -hmm. Every entrepreneur is bound to know other entrepreneurs and they'll know other entrepreneurs as well. And so mm -hmm. I think that's, that's probably the, the surefire way. It's not a great answer, but I think that's, I, that's how it works out for me. A least. lot of, a lot of people go into those sort of communities with the whole ambition to try to like sell business as well. I've, I've seen that. And it's, I guess like with, in terms of like your mindset, how you, how should you kind of be looking at these different communities? Because yeah, I've, I've been in them where it's, it just feels very salesy. Feels a bit like a pyramid scheme. Like people were just like yeah. selling memberships and memberships and yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I have, quite a strongly held opinion on this, which is um, relationships shouldn't be transactional. Mm -hmm. This is the beauty of founders that A, it's a pure community just for community's sake. It's not a business who's running a community such that they can then get clients and sell products or services. And um, then also it's all just about giving and supporting one another mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to take. and. The paradox is the more you give, the more you then receive back as well. Um, however, the intention going into it, uh, I found should never be, I'm trying to get something out of this. Instead, mm -hmm. it's how can I help other people? How can I share my experiences? How can I connect other people and just contribute to the overall community experience? That's when people get the most out of it. Um, but yes, luckily within founders, you have like a really strongly held culture and like no sales, no egos is a, is a big part of it. So when um, for, cause you talked about like business communities versus personal communities. Like I don't want to take people down the wrong path of like building a business community cause they're different things, right? Yeah like building a business community and building a personal community. So I guess like what's the difference between the two and what's the value of, of, of either? Sure. So um, here's not to say that business focus or business led communities aren't also super valuable. Mm -hmm. They are super valuable. It depends on what you're trying to get from it, um, which is ironic because we just spoke about giving rather than mm -hmm. trying to get from it. But if you're looking more for like deep personal connections, then a pure community just for the community's sake uh, is probably going to be more valuable to you. However, like community-led growth has been buzzwords of the past couple of years and businesses have really invested into yeah. it. And um, they're also super helpful. And someone to look up is called David Spinks. He has a model called the Spaces model, which talks about the different uh, potential outcomes that you can get from a community. Mm -hmm. um, and so most of them are focused towards businesses. Um, however, it does then, I feel conflicted because it then does bring in that sort of transactional relationship. It's, mm -hmm. I think, um, a really exciting opportunity lies in how can you have a business-led community 
um, which still has that sort of like purity of intention mm -hmm. of um, the organizers and then yeah. members, which is really tough. And I think that's a really exciting challenge that I'm excited mm -hmm. to um, dig into. So you've been building the founders community for, yeah, I guess the last two years now, which is amazing. And, and now you've made the decision to, to leave. Why, why have you done that? And like, what's, what's the next stage? Yeah, so this this would be the first public announcement of it, I think, <laughs> which makes me very nervous. Um, but um, before joining Founders, when I first uh, interviewed or when I first met with Rob and Dan and also Luke Hemsley, who's, who's been pivotal in the community, um, when I first met with them, I said, look, my ambition is not just with a single community. My ambition is to bring these compassionate connection experiences to the world like that's we're shooting for the moon here and they're also ambitious entrepreneurs so they love that and so the approach previously was cool how can we do this within founders how can we enable founders to have this worldwide worldwide scale and impact mm -hmm. and we've been talking about it over the past two years they i have monthly board meetings with them and um we've been bouncing back and forth and challenging each other uh, over the past two years. And um, it now, we've now come to the like hypothesis that founders is beautiful as it is, it's super magical. And actually that doesn't need to change. Like it's already providing loads of value to loads mm. of people and, and including the new people coming in. And actually where the opportunity lies is um, how do we, build multiple intimate communities. Yeah. So what does that look like? So if Founders is currently 350 people, if it was 35,000 people, it'd be a completely different experience. I talk about Founders being a family and you're like super close and tight knit, uh, but that doesn't work if there's like thousands and thousands See, that's, of that's the trouble that I've seen. I've seen like when you first join a community like that, it's so amazing because you, you get to know everyone, you get to know their stories at a very sort of intimate basis. But then there are, them being successful is kind of a weakness because it's like as, as they grow, more people come in and it's like that, that intimacy that you wanted at the beginning is no longer there. And yeah. so, yeah, I completely, I completely see that. Yeah, exactly. And so this is the other hypothesis is how, how can we enable and power as many people and businesses to build these really intimate, tight-knit mm -hmm. communities? And so that's then what I uh, predict the next company uh, will be. Um, so it'll be a community as a service. Um, so we'll find people who are natural community builders and give them all the tools and all the theory and support they need to start and run these like really life-changing mm. communities. That's an amazing one. Yeah, because there's so many amazing people that can run communities, that, but I guess they don't have the tools to do it. And also that, that intimacy is, is so important. I think whenever I look for a community, that's exactly what I look for, is like, can I get to know everyone and can I help them in, in a certain way? And can they also like, help me with certain things as well. Like, and also like challenge me in different perspectives. I think that's like super important. Yeah. So yeah, I completely see that. It makes, it makes a ton of sense. But I guess like what, why has it not been done before? Like what is the challenge there? It hasn't been done before because I think 
community is a relatively new thing. It's an age old in terms of humans yeah. have always found I their th- tribe. I think COVID really accelerated it. Exactly. It was like suddenly that shock of, oh, wow, I'm really missing yeah. my people. I'm really missing yeah. that connection. And so there was this big burst of communities and uh, it's now become like an investable space as well. You see um, communities like Chief raising loads of money. Um, but however, there's been communities been around for, for, for decades, like YPO or, or whatnot. Um, but I think um, community, the community space is super immature, uh, hasn't been developed, it hasn't evolved. And so I, I think that's probably the main reason, but probably still have to do a bit more research into that. Mm, mm. <laughs> So when you when you talked about you talked about emotional connection, is that what you said? What is that? Sorry, compassionate what, compassionate connection. What is what is compassionate connection? What does that mean? Compassionate connections uh, in if you break it down, I actually used to not like uh, it's the the word compassion because the dictionary says it's about having sympathy for someone else, I think. And I was like, oh, that doesn't feel aligned. Yeah. Like sympathy isn't quite the thing we're going for. But actually Nikita, our friend, uh, said, actually, if you look to the roots of the words, you can break it down to com and passion. And uh, passion stems from suffering. Mm. So it's like to suffer and then com is with. So yeah. to suffer with. Uh, which actually makes a ton of sense in terms of entrepreneurs because yeah. we're suffering through this crazy journey ourselves yeah, and so then yeah. you go and suffer with people. Yeah. Um, and that actually creates that really tight bond. Um, but generally how I've seen, um, how I like think about compassionate connections are those really deeply rooted relationships. It's your um, founders has had people get married through meeting uh, through the community. Um, there have wow. been co-founders. There have been I've met like Peter, who's now my mentor. Um, I've met uh, best friends. I'm living with a guy called Dan Hogan, who's a legend, and I met him at a retreat, uh, and then we bonded over our breakups. And then uh, I'm not, we're now living together. And he also mm. met his current girlfriend at that same retreat, and so. These are like really deeply impactful relationships that I th- hopefully last a lifetime. But for you as like a, the one behind like building this community, how do you foster that? Like that's, that just seems so extreme in a good way where you can somehow transcend the whole professionalism and the, all the sort of, um, I guess, formalities that come with that yeah. of like, okay, let's break down the, the exterior barriers of like, you know, we have to behave in a certain way, dress a certain way, speak a certain way. Yeah. But what you're kind of building is you can be yourself in all aspects and you can share whatever you want, whatever you feel comfortable with, no judgment whatsoever. Yeah. As a community builder, how do you do that? That seems like a very difficult thing to do. Great question. And it is a difficult thing to do. I think the first point is that it's rooted in our values. So the founders' values are... Um, speak vulnerably, candidly, and from experience, pay it forward, I give first, and remember to have fun and don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Now, I am a big believer in leading by example. And so for the first value, it's um, speaking vulnerably, candidly, and from experience. At every founders event and every retreat, I will push myself to be as vulnerable as I possibly can be. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that then sets the tone for other people to be like, it's okay here to pour your heart out if you want to, mm. uh, or if you feel the need to. Yeah. Um, and then also um, that ties in with how I design the experiences. Mm. So think about it very logically. There's a formula called the dramatic arc template when thinking about experience design. And it's uh, a, a, like a line that goes up to a, a point, a peak, and then it comes back down. And you have time on this axis and you have sort of intensity of experience on this mm -hmm. axis. And so you have this like pinnacle experience. Yeah. And so when it comes to compassionate connections, that pinnacle experience is probably or usually someone pouring their heart out and like being super vulnerable and the definition of vulnerability, um, if you look to Brene Brown, is not knowing what someone's response will be to whatever you tell them. So if you're mm. like, oh, I don't know whether yeah. this person's going to like freak out or yeah, yeah. push back or this thing that I say, like that's when you're being super vulnerable. And so then this peak point of compassionate connections is someone pouring their heart out really vulnerably and then someone else holding space not passing judgment and just being there to listen, support them, share their own experience. When that person who's just pulled their heart out feels mm. super held and accepted, that is like a huge moment. Um, and it's so reaffirming. People have come up to me after retreats and said, like, look, this has been life-changing. Uh, I've never experienced anything like this. It's mm. absolutely wonderful. And so that's super reaffirming. But getting to that pinnacle moment, you can't just drop someone in it. I can't just be like, yeah. cool, seen a meet uh, so-and-so, uh, pull your heart out. Yeah, You'll yeah, be yeah. like, whoa, hold on a second, mate. That's that's way too fast and yeah. super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so have to like slowly build people up to that to that moment, um, which happens sometime throughout the weekend. Um, but we like drop in small things, like maybe a question when people first join a ch like a Telegram chat or a WhatsApp chat. And like, even in the description of the event, it's like, cool, this is what it's about. Like prepare yourself, like, yeah. think about these things. And then like our icebreaker exercises take people a bit deeper. And then throughout the weekend, they go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so then you get to that pinnacle mm. experience. Um, cool. yeah. the, so yeah, you talk about vulnerability a lot, but for people listening, like being vulnerable is very difficult, right? Like, and, and you don't necessarily, you might not necessarily be in a community, right? But like, I guess on LinkedIn and other sort of platforms, entrepreneurs are still like meant to be that sort of like strong, like character where they don't show that level of weakness. And I, I think it has changed a lot. Like people are a lot more vulnerable than they used to be. However, the, the question I want to ask you, it might seem like an obvious question, but like, I feel like you dig into it a lot deeper. Why is vulnerability so important? I think there's a time and place for vulnerability. And it's unique per person. For some people, it is pouring your heart out on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but then for most people, it's probably not. Um, ultimately, I think it's about like, what are you trying to get out of? sharing this vulnerable thing on linkedin it might be like oh you maybe you want some uh exposure or praise or mm -hmm. reassurance or whatever um that seems like a negative side of vulnerability yeah i feel like it's um a potentially unhealthy intention mm. uh, to be vulnerable 
And also, again, going back to the definition of vulnerability, it's something that you don't, you say that you don't know what the reaction is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, whereas let's say like me talking about my dad passing doesn't actually feel vulnerable to me anymore because A, it was 17 or 18 years ago and I've had this conversation a million times. I know exactly how people are going to respond. And so it's not actually vulnerable. Whereas something that's vulnerable to me is like probably something that's, um, that I'm struggling with now that I mm. maybe feel like a bit embarrassed or like shameful to talk about. Um, and... I think vulnerability is important because it takes you from a place of shame and guilt, which are very like low energy, destructive, constricting emotions. Mm -hmm. And then once you share the thing that you're shameful or guilty or feeling guilty about, then it takes you from that position of um, that low energy to then you're actually being accepted by the mm. other person, hoping that the other person holds space. You're being accepted and then you actually accept yourself and yeah. then um, builds up your self-confidence and then you feel connected to that other person. So um, it's more authentic. Um, and yeah, that's just like, it's it seems to be, uh, well, so I've seen it's the just the basis for people connecting on a really deep level. And mm. it's just beautiful so i'd really really encourage any moment people can to um push their comfort zones yeah. and and be as vulnerable and why is it like especially important for like young entrepreneurs listening because entrepreneurship's a tough game yeah it's really really difficult and i see this in the community what is it the stats are uh entrepreneurs are 40 percent more likely to experience um depression and anxiety mm -hmm. and so like understanding that it's a long game it's a tough game it's super stressful and really high pressure um and it's not something that you can do alone there's mm. a phrase uh that dan murray Serta says a lot which i love which is um uh go alone go fast go together go far or something yeah. along those lines. I've butchered that for sure. Um, <laughs> it's true though. It, it is true. Like you, I've I've been a solo entrepreneur. I've been right now. I'm with a team. When you're solo, you can move like insanely fast. You can have conversations with people and sort of like move fairly quickly. However, you're so constricted. Like you can't do everything that you want to do. And to be fair though, even then you still have to wait for people in a certain degree. Whereas if they're in your team, you can kind of like manage expectations to a certain degree. It's like if you're like building a platform um, and you don't have the tech background, you have to rely on like a freelancer or whatever and like, or, sure. or an agency. And there's, you still, as you scale up, you will be hindered massively. So it's just fast at the beginning, I, I believe. Yeah. It won't be fast like as you go, as you go on. Yeah, 100%. I'd actually love to switch around and ask you. You did this last time as well. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite funny. Because like, I remember, because I was, um, if anyone wants to laugh, definitely listen back to like the, uh, the last episode we had together because it, was, it wasn't very good, I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> I was still learning the game. But yeah, I remember at the end, you were like asking questions towards me, which I haven't had before. I mean, it was only like three episodes, four episodes in. But yeah, shoot. I would love to know... If you're happy sharing, absolutely fine if, if you don't want to, is when was the last time you felt like you shared something vulnerably? And what was the, how did that experience play out for you? That's a really good question. Let me think. When's the last time I shared something vulnerably? Um, I think actually maybe last time I spoke to, yeah, Nikita, which a friend of ours, um, told her about sort of, I'm doing this podcast, I'm doing my own business, I'm doing um this like web3 consulting as well i just feel sort of like 
doing multiple different things. I don't, I don't, I feel, I don't feel like I'm, I'm as focused as I usually am um, because they're all progressing. That's the thing. They're all growing and they're all like doing very well. And it's like, I kind of felt the urge to double down on one or, or two of them max. Um, so I'm still sort of battling with that, to be honest. It's still sort of a thought that I've got in my mind. I love doing this. I love doing podcasting. It's like, it brings me a lot of energy. And so, yeah, it's something that I share with her. It's something that, you know, we talked about. Um, I didn't know how she was going to react. I didn't know, but she was going through a similar thing herself, which I didn't know. And that was like reassuring to me that I think maybe this is an ongoing conversation that you always have with yourself is like, am I spending time doing something that actually delivers me purpose? Mm. That, that's a question I ask myself a lot. And like last episode as well, I had a, a monk on Ian Nene, amazing episode. And he gave me a lot of like clarity of like, am I doing something where I feel actually fulfilled or am I climbing a mountain that I don't actually want to climb in the long run? So yeah, it's it's something that opened up a lot of questions for me as well, asking her is like vocalizing it sort of brought up a lot more questions for me that, yeah, I'm still I'm still exploring right now. So that's that's kind of, over the last two weeks, that's been like what I've been like, uh, I guess asking myself internally. Love that. Thanks for sharing, man. Um, and I can relate deeply to that. Yeah. Having run two businesses alongside founders for the last two years. Um, I question why I'm doing mm. it. There's Cuckoo uh, Choo, the events business, which is just pure fun. It was the uni club night business and it was like a great time. And now it's franchised out and I kind of want to have this festival and so I have to like build it up. But it's, it feels like it's a bit of a ego driven pipe dream almost. And then there was the other company called Click. Well, sorry. Well, Click pivoted from the community into running workshops for corporates. And that just, it wasn't that fun anymore because it was just dealing with corporate teams and, mm -hmm. but it paid really well. Yeah. And I was like, cool, this has such big potential to be like a decent sized business. And there was founders which had that pure purpose driven passion. Mm. Um, and I've gone through this exact same thought process and yeah it's been a struggle man i think that also highlights the the value of community right because it's like as you as you mentioned before being an entrepreneur is, is a fairly lonely process and it's like it's, it's very lonely because it's a building process and it's very uncertain and so when you're say in a corporate nine to five and i, I talked about this last episode if you found happiness in nine to five you won at life like there's no, i'm not shooting down that at, at all but the reason why I, I do actually envy people that find happiness there. It's, it's very it's very certain. Like you know what's going on. Um, it's it's reliable to a certain degree. There's no sort of uncertainty. There's no sort of going against the grain. We've picked a, we've picked something to do. You and I. That's like so uncertain, high risk, high pressure, lonely to a certain degree. Unless you have a community, and it's like, why are we doing this? Like I I always ask myself that, and it's like. But I wouldn't, I, I don't want to do that corporate job. Like, I don't want to go back to that. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know why I was like, we were born with a certain like urge to build our own thing or like change things with the way, the way that they're done. But yeah, it's like a constant sort of question I ask myself is like, why? <laughs> and where have you got to with asking yourself that question? It's, it's continuous. It's, it's, it's honestly continuous. I haven't, I've, I haven't got an answer. And whenever I haven't, I, I do give myself an answer I ask myself again in say a few months time and the answer changes. So as, as I'm aging, 
the answer always changes. I, I don't think that's a bad thing though, because pers perspectives change all the time. And as I've sort of like done more introspection as well, I realized that the motivations that I thought I had before weren't actually the motivations that drive me to do what I, what I do right now. So I think, yeah, it's a constant conversation that you have with yourself um, around. So like you, for instance, like you, you maybe didn't know that a core motivation of like trying to find community would stem back to your, to your father passing away. Mm. But as you've done more introspection, probably that's where it came from, right? Yeah. Um, but then it's also questioning how solid are those foundations? How solid mm. is that motivation? So if I look at that from like a, if I, if I zoom out and look at that yeah. um, situation, that's uh, you lose something, therefore you're feeling like you're working from a scarcity mindset and therefore you're trying to get something. Mm -hmm. um, and scarcity mindsets generally um, put us into like very bad or have, have put me into like not healthy or constructive headspaces. And so um, I've actually really challenged myself uh, in terms of is this the right thing to be doing? Is it the right motivation that A, I um, lacked this connection when I was younger, therefore I've sought it out and therefore, and also built it? Um, or is there a stronger motivation there uh, or a more solid one, i.e. a motivation that's rooted in abundance mm. as opposed to scarcity? And having experienced the magic of click and the magic of founders, that is where now the new fuel mm. comes with the yeah. fire comes like actually there's just something mental and like awesome about these yeah. experiences and that's now the new fuel as opposed to being like oh i'm trying to get this thing back like i wish i had that connection with my dad and like it was super lonely experience and that was really pivotal yeah um and actually i asked myself the same with regards to having kids it's like i love kids i cannot wait to be a dad uh, and I held on to that idea for years. And then only in the past like year or two years, I questioned it to be like, oh, actually, is this desire to be a dad rooted in the fact that I didn't have mine? And therefore yeah, that's see? also- It's a, it's a constant, like constantly yeah. you have to ask yourself these questions. Yeah. I don't even think they just pop into your head more than anything, to be honest. Or like, yeah, you just sit down. Uh, like we talked we talk about this with Ian Nene last week as well, of like, there's just so many, there's just so much stimulant around, stimuli around where it's like you've got your phone, you've got you've got TV, you've got music, you've got yeah. podcasts, you've got obviously listen to this podcast, but <laughs> but like you've got all these different things around you, yeah. And it's it's extremely rare to actually be by yourself and actually in your own thoughts. It's like mm. it's very very rare, rare for you to, to do that. Just literally sitting down in a room, thinking, like think think about it, right. Even in even in bed. You're, you've still got your phone. Like a lot of people carry their phone in their bed with them. The only place where it's kind of, you don't have that is in the shower, right? Like that's the only place, but that's where yeah. you get a lot of thoughts. But even now, like a lot of people play music in the shower and stuff like that. So it's like, you're still putting stimulant in your mind. Absolutely. So when you have that moment alone, it's, it's, it can be very scary, but then you ask, yourself, you ask yourself these questions of like, where does my happiness come from? Am I fulfilled? Where does my motivation come from? Like all these deeper questions that you have to, it requires you to, to actually sit down and think. You can't find them on Google. You can't just search. You can't, you might not even be able to ask people. It, it's something that you have to ask yourself and explore. Well, a lot of people actually don't ask themselves. That's what I'm saying. These questions. Yeah. It's, it's like 
really uncomfortable mm. digging into these things. Um, and that's where I think our generation specifically um, is different from the generation before, where we're more, I think, on the whole, um, more willing to dig into these like uncomfortable places and just try and better connect with ourselves. And that's why then like therapy is now a lot less stigmatized and mm -hmm. I'd highly, highly recommend it to anyone that's considering it. I've been doing therapy for the past sort of two years and I've been doing coaching for the past three years. Um, and, but I don't think it's universal for people to want to build their level of self-awareness to connect with themselves to improve themselves and that's also fine mm. but for the people that are ambitious within that area and um i can tell you from personal experience it's like the most fruitful area of life to be ambitious within mm -hmm. is the self-awareness and self-discovery it's like it brings the biggest gems um and ultimately it's like uh it's like putting on a if you've been walking through life a little bit blindly, everything's a bit blurred mm -hmm. and then you put on the glasses, your prescriptions that you never had before and suddenly yeah. like clarity, you're like, oh, wow, this is what it looks like yeah, without yeah, the yeah. blur. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I think about it. AJ, we're going to wrap up the episode there, but it's been such a pleasure talking with you again. And yeah, always nice for you to come on and ask me questions back, <laughs> which doesn't actually normally happen. So yeah, that's really good. Um, how can people stay in touch with you and what you're building? Because obviously you're, you're leaving founders now, you're building this new project, so I'm sure people want to stay in touch. Yeah, that's very kind. And first of all, just thank you so much for having me back. I feel honored. I hope I come back again around when it gets past 200 and <laughs> yeah, 300. Yeah. Every century we'll have a yeah. little uh, reconnection. Um, and yeah, just like love what you're doing. So like, just appreciate you having these conversations and putting out this content to the world. Um, and people can reach me on LinkedIn. And my name on LinkedIn is AJ, full stop. Oh, damn. There we go. There Easy. Go. AJ, thank you so much again. And I'm sure we'll chat very soon. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers.